Good evening. Elections in Peru and Mexico. Trump says Fauci is a bad doctor and China should pay reparations. Another confrontation in a city park. More than 20 arrested and an infamous day in American history. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News for Sunday, June 6, 2021. Al Jazeera journalist Javara Boudiri was released by the Israeli police several hours after she was arrested while covering a protest in East Jerusalem, Sheikh Jarrah neighborhood yesterday. The arrest was recorded. Buderi described what happened. She says, they came in an aggressive way. They asked me for my press car. They didn't give me time and started kicking me with their feet and pushed me from the back. Then they pushed my arm aggressively to the back to put the handcuffs. Afterwards, they dragged me to the police car where the assault was harsher. Reportedly, officers also pushed a camera operator whose equipment was apparently destroyed. In related news, the Foreign Press Association today demanded that the Israeli police allow journalists to work freely. This was in response to yesterday's arrest of Al Jazeera correspondent Baderi. Al Jazeera says his reporter had to be treated in hospital for a broken hand and bruises caused by the Israeli officers. The international organization recalled that the aggression against Baderi is only the latest one in a long line of heavy-handed tactics by Israeli police against journalists and photojournalists. In recent weeks, press workers clearly identified as journalists have been victims of the indiscriminate use of stun grenades, tear gas, sponge-tipped bullets, and putrid-smelling water. Previously, the free... Uh, the Foreign Press Association sent a letter to the Israeli authorities requesting respect for journalists. This respect, however, reportedly has been completely ignored. Meanwhile, in the United States, pro-Palestine supporters of the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions or BDS movement gathered at a port in Elizabeth, New Jersey today to picket an Israeli cargo shipping company. The rally comes as the Tarragona cargo ship belonging to the Israeli company Zim was scheduled to dock in the port of New Jersey and New York. On Friday, hundreds of protesters blocked the unloading of another Zim cargo ship in Oakland. Susan, a BDS movement supporter, attended the picket in New Jersey. We're, we're here today to sort of uh, send a message um, to the Zim company that we are going to do what we can to make sure that you do not do business on our, on our shores and continue to profit off of the Israeli apartheid. Participating in global movement for boycott, divestment, sanctions and embargo in Israel. She adds, we're going to do what we can to ensure that there is an embargo against the, quote, fascist state of Israel. Supporters of the BDS movement promote boycotts, divestment and sanctions as a way to put pressure on the Israeli state towards policy change, similar to campaigns that contributed to the collapse of the apartheid government in South Africa. And in Peru, as Peruvians go to the polls in a second round of voting to choose a new president, rumors of electoral fraud are growing. Polls are illegal in Peru prior to elections, but recent estimates seem to indicate socialist candidate Pedro Castillo, his electoral lead was being whittled away in a dead heat with far-right candidate Keiko Fujimori. The rumors are prompting the Southern Common Market Electoral Observation Mission to urge political actors to respect results of the elections. The observation mission is assuring Peruvians government bodies involved in administering the election are acting with efficiency and transparency. They also ask the press to refrain from false news that may affect the voting. The first round of voting in April put Castillo ahead with 16 percent of the vote, followed by Fujimori with about 12 percent.
And Vice President Kamala Harris is on her first overseas trip since taking office. She's arriving today in Guatemala and will fly to Mexico on June 8th. She'll meet with community leaders, workers, and entrepreneurs, but advisors are lowering short-term expectations from the three-day trip, where the Vice President will highlight the root causes of migration, including corruption plaguing the countries for years. The number of migrants taken into custody by United States agents per month on the Mexican border has risen to the highest level in 20 years since January. In March, Biden tasked Harris with lowering migration from the northern triangle countries, Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador. Harris has promised more than $300 million in aid and investment commitments from companies, including Microsoft. Harris's trip to Mexico comes as Mexicans elect a new lower house of Congress, state governors and local lawmakers in a race seen as a referendum on President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador's effort to shake up the country's institutions. Nora Martinez reporting from Mexico City. More than 93 million Mexicans go to the polls today in the most important elections in the country's history, stemmed by blood, foreign intervention, threats and intimidation. Lorenzo Cordoba, president of the National Electoral Institute. We as Mexicans will be electing 500 federal representatives, 15 state governors, 1,063 local representatives in 30 state houses and 1,025 local council seats. During the campaign, at least 35 candidates had been killed allegedly related to organized crime. President Andrés Manuel López Obrador has condemned the attacks and the deaths and called repeatedly for Mexicans not to be afraid to vote. I tell people that we should not be afraid. We have to participate and go out to cast our vote. He has said that there will not be electoral fraud like there was under previous governments when even the dead will cast their votes. Let the people decide in total freedom according to their conscience. No buying and selling votes, no sending voters to the wrong polling place, no dead people casting a ballot, no ballot box stuffing or takeover, no violence whatsoever. Let the elections take place peacefully. López Obrador government's project, which he calls the fourth transformation, requires that he retains a majority in the Chamber of Deputies, now controlled by his party, the Movement of National Regeneration, known as Morena. Bruce Hobson, co-editor of the Mexico Solidarity Project. The fourth transformation is a radical upsetting the politics in Mexico that began just a few years ago by this very, very young party, Morena, as a process to really to overturn a corrupt system that has been deeply ingrained into Mexican society politically and socially for a very, very long time. Despite the difficult economic situation accentuated by the pandemic, López Obrador's policies have broad support, especially among the poorest, says Bruce Hobson. The number of very profound social programs and reforms that have been instituted by AMLO, by Morena, since 2019 are just incredible. There are tremendous problems in Mexico. These programs already are making a tremendous difference. 70% of Mexican working people in this country have received benefits from any one of these new social programs. In these elections, Morena has formed a coalition with the Labour, the Green and Social Encounter Parties called Juntos Hacemos Historia or Together We Make History. The opposition has a coalition with the Democratic Revolution, National Action and Revolutionary Institutional Parties called 
va por México or go for Mexico. The right is asking people not to vote for what they call an authoritarian government. Journalist Peter Geller. I think the elections will reaffirm the support of the Mexican population and particularly workers and peasants, uh, poor people, that is the grand majority of Mexicans. Their support for the López Obrador government, for its policies, for its fight against corruption, for its policies in favor of the working majority of the country. And I think it will reaffirm the rejection of the tremendous campaign that all of the powers that be, business chambers, spokesmen for the old regime, mass media, the Catholic Church, that is all of the established powers, have made an unprecedented campaign against Lopez systems intellectuals, an unprecedented campaign claiming that the country is on the road to a dictatorship. For Pacifica Radio, this is Norma Martinez in Mexico City. Reportedly, polls in Mexico have just closed. Back in the United States, former President Donald Trump scored a new first, the first former president to return to the campaign trail, claiming his election loss was a fraud. He then went on to applaud GOP-backed laws introduced in dozens of states to make it harder to vote. I love what they've done in Texas. I love what they are doing in Florida and done in Florida. I would like to see Georgia be much tougher. They don't have... Signature verification, they don't have things, the Georgia has to be tougher, but I love what's going on in so many states, 41 different states, because they saw what happened in this last disaster, and they don't want it to happen again. And the only way you're going to be able to really solve that problem is to figure out exactly what happened. And you know what? They're going to be able to do that. Joe Biden called these common sense reforms un-American. But the thing that is really un-American is an election scam. Delivered in North Carolina to a crowd of true believers, Trump's speech was not all about questioning the election's legitimacy. He attacked infectious disease expert Dr. Anthony Fauci and demanded China pay reparations to the United States for allegedly unleashing the coronavirus. What I first said 13 months ago, the evidence demonstrates that the virus originated in a Chinese government lab. Couldn't say it. You couldn't say it. And Dr. Fauci, who I actually got along with, he's a nice guy. He's a great promoter, you know. Not a great doctor, but he's a hell of a promoter. He likes television more than any politician in this room. And they like television. But he's been wrong on almost every issue. And he was wrong on Wuhan and the lab also. Very wrong. And we ended the payments. You know, they were started in... 2014, and then uh, I can tell you, Mark Meadows came in, and I talked to him, and I, he saw what I saw, and I said, "What the hell's going on? When did that start? Started in 2014, and we ended it. Our administration ended it." And as President Trump, uh, the United States did fund some research at the Wuhan Virology Lab, as it does in many countries around the world. Meanwhile, in New York City at this hour, protesters greeted Dr. Fauci and First Lady Dr. Jill Biden at a Harlem vaccination site, demanding he resign. And that was an anti-vaccination group protesting Dr. Fauci today. 
back to former President Trump. Trump blasted as corrupt Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr., who is working in concert with State Attorney General Tish James to uncover a potential tax bank and insurance fraud carried out by Trump before he was elected president. And now a new group of far-left Democrats are seeking the prosecutor's office. They've gotten millions of pages of documents. Well, when did he do a deal? Oh, did he do another deal? Did he? They're going through every deal, every deal I've ever done. Millions and millions of pages. If there's a comma mistake, if there's a misspelling, it's problems. You know what? It's a disgrace to our country. It's prosecutorial misconduct. They're in search of a crime. It's a fishing expedition, and the Supreme Court of the United States should not have allowed it to happen. Shouldn't have allowed it. It's been a five-year-long witch hunt, hoax after hoax. Russia, 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 Ukraine, the Mueller hoax. Look at the Mueller scam. How well did he do before Congress? It wasn't too good, was it? Lie after lie, corrupt investigation after corrupt investigation. And he accused Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg of illegally turning out Democratic voters coming after the social network banned Trump for two years for spreading lies about the election. Zuckerberg broke the law, spending millions of dollars. Don't you think he broke the law? Millions of dollars to get out the vote efforts in highly Democrat areas. You know, he used to come to the White House. He'd call, oh, could I have dinner with you, sir? Sure. Could I bring my wife? Oh, absolutely. He actually walked into the office one day in front of numerous people. Congratulations, sir. Why? He said, you're number one on Facebook. He said to me, you're number one on Facebook. I said, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We had a nice dinner. The day I was out, he became uh, rather, well, I guess it's human nature. But we can't let our country be run by that kind of human nature, can we? Zuckerberg, it's another beauty. But they say they may allow me back in two years. I'm not, uh, I'm not too interested in that. They may allow me back in two years. We got to stop that. We can't let it happen. So unfair. But the former president saved some of his most angry comments for left-wing Democrats for their demands to reform policing. Can you believe that? Defund our, is that good politics? Defund our police? Number one, it's bad for our country. But think of it. Defund our police. You know, I've long said they're polyous, they're vicious. They're violent. They, in many cases, hate our country. And they have bad policy. Now, the bad news from our standpoint, they stick together. They don't have some of the people like we have, where they go on their own and they do what they have to. They stick together. And that's the one thing they have. They stick together. But their policy is so bad. And uh, we're going to have a tremendous 2022, just like we did, frankly, 2020. Think of it. More votes than any sitting president in the history of the United States. While publicly allies of Trump have been supportive of him returning to the campaign trail, behind the scenes there's been hand-wringing over how Trump's obsession with relitigating the 2020 elections could affect the midterms. Donors want to hear about the future of the GOP, but complain all they hear from Trump is about the past. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. In New York City, last night saw the NYPD move to enforce a 10 p.m. curfew at Washington Square Park in Greenwich Village.
Friday, the closure went, in the words of police, smooth and with no issues. Saturday night's park closing was neither. Cops met resistance from some young park goers, and things got physical. There were a total of 22 arrests. Police moved forward in a phalanx and used their clubs and pepper spray to push people toward the exits on the south side of the park. One cop is seen literally picking up a guy, presumably who refused to budge, and carrying him. The Parks Department and police recently decided to impose the early closing time in Washington Square on weekends due to neighbors' complaints about the ongoing party scene, which is drawing large crowds with amplified music late into the night. But two young protesters say the curfew amounts to something else. Here we should make this park a cop-free zone. They are terrorizing us. We're just trying to live our lives, sit in a park on a nice summer night, and we have terrorists, the NYPD, harassing us. And another activist, Kaysen, says the cops had no right to attack people in the park. Everybody that's in this park pay taxes. They should not be escorted out and brutalized by these pigs, for they pay taxes. Are you going to kick them out of a public park? Yeah. That is a, such of a disservice, it's a grave disservice to the public. And this is, but this is a continued. This is another example of why the police needs to be abolished because it has never worked at the best interest of black and brown folks. It's like bleach; it works for whites and it destroys colors. And this is another example. The whole damn system is guilty as hell. You're going to continue to brutalize our folks. You're going to continue to keep them in bondage and grab them by the neck like they're just not of a human being to you abolish the whole thing but you know we gotta we gotta fight for the for what we are old and we need to dismantle everything can i ask your name can i ask your name case on case on next weekend is expected to see more of the same including a similar 10 p.m curfew at Tompkins square park on the east side and june 5th 1968 New York Senator Robert F. Kennedy, known to millions as Bobby, was shot to death on the kitchen of the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, California. He died on June 6th, 53 years ago today. He was a brother of President John F. Kennedy, who himself was died from an assassin's bullet just five years before. RFK, as he was also known, was a candidate for the Democratic nomination for president of the United States. He had just scored double wins in the California and South Dakota primaries. He addressed his supporters shortly after midnight on June 5, 1968, in a ballroom at the hotel. Leaving the ballroom, he went through the hotel kitchen after being told it was a shortcut to a press room. ABC News anchor Frank Reynolds told the story. For the mutual broadcasting system, Andy West was in the hallway, the kitchen hallway in the Ambassador Hotel last night. When Senator Kennedy was shot, he is perhaps the man who was closest to the senator when the shots were fired. Let's go back now to that hour last night. First, Senator Kennedy in victory, and then the voice of reporter West as our cameras show the panic that gripped the scene. So I thank thank all of you who made this possible this evening. All of the effort that you made and all of the people whose names I haven't mentioned, but who made all, did all of the work at the precinct level, who got out the vote, who did all of the effort, uh, brought forth all of the effort that's required. I was a campaign manager eight years ago. I know what a difference that kind of an effort and that kind of commitment makes. So I thank all of you. Those of you are here.
Mayor Yorty has just sent me a message that we've been here too long already. So, uh, my thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? Is that possible? It's good. Is it possible, ladies and gentlemen? It is possible. He has. Not only Senator Kennedy. Oh, my God. Senator Kennedy has been shot. And another man, a Kennedy campaign manager, and possibly shot in the head. I am right here. Rafer Johnson has a hold of a man who apparently has fired the shot. That's it, Rafer. Get it. Get the gun, Rafer. Okay, now hold on to the guy. Hold on to him. Hold on to him, ladies and gentlemen. Hold him. Hold him. <coughs> we don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Rafer. We don't want another Oswald. Hold him, Rafer. Keep people away from him. Keep people away from him. All right, ladies and gentlemen. And people were kept away from him, and the police have him in custody. And Lee Harvey Oswald was the accused killer of John F. Kennedy five years earlier. RFK had been advised to avoid the kitchen by his bodyguard. Here is Kennedy Press Chief Frank Mankiewicz announcing the senator's death. Senator Robert Francis Kennedy died at 1.44 a.m. today, June 6, 1968, with Senator Kennedy. At the time of his death, were his wife, Ethel, his sisters, Mrs. Stephen Smith, Mrs. Patricia Lawford, brother-in-law, Mr. Stephen Smith, and his sister-in-law, Mrs. John F. Kennedy. He was uh, 42 years old. The accused gunman, then a 24-year-old Palestinian Christian named Sirhan Sirhan, was convicted of murder and is serving a life sentence. In a 1980 interview with M.T. Mady, Sirhan claimed that his actions were fueled by liquor and anger. Although numerous investigators claimed Sirhan was set up and drugged, despite the allegations of conspiracy, his parole has been denied 15 times, most recently in 2016, where a witness in Sirhan's defense claimed his belief that a second shooter killed Kennedy. And that's some of the news for Sunday, June 6, 2021. The news was uh, produced with Linda Perry. Our engineer is Max Schmid. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>